that you speak of in the gospel, that your word, the word of life and of truth, may bear great fruit in our lives. Lord, we pray that you would illuminate the scriptures for us, that you would help us understand this great mystery of the Holy Trinity. You would convict and console our hearts and speak, for your servants are listening. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Today we celebrate the solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity. An amazing gift, uh, an amazing gift of who God is. When we talk about the Trinity, the Trinity is the, the fundamental, the most important truth, the most important reality that exists. And it is something we can come to understand that God exists by reason alone, that there is a God, but it is by revelation that we come to know that God is a trinity, one God and three persons. And I want to speak a little bit today um, about the trinity, not so much in a technical sense, but how the Lord desires to draw us into that union with him and then have some practical application as well to, to the current reality in which, in which we're living and so really, I want to use a scripture passage that we didn't read today, but is a Trinitarian passage and one that has really been on my mind and heart uh, the past year or so in a particular way. So this is from John's Gospel, chapter 17. And I've talked about this before, but the context of this gospel is that Jesus is at the Last Supper with his disciples. He's there with the apostles. He's celebrating the Last Supper. And chapters 13 through 17 give us what Jesus is speaking about and doing and praying with his apostles at the Last Supper. So chapter 17 is toward the end of this. And what Jesus does at this moment, what's happening is he has been speaking to his apostles. But at this point, he has already turned his eyes to heaven. That he has turned his gaze to the eternal Father and he is praying. And he just finished praying for the apostles themselves, and now his prayer continues, and, and that's what I'm going to read. He says, I pray not only for them, who are them? Them, the apostles that are there at the table with him, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Which means, at the Last Supper, Christ was praying for you and praying for me. And he has never ceased doing so, as he is at the right hand of the Father now. But at the Last Supper, as Jesus is celebrating the Last Supper, as he's instituting the Eucharist, as he's instituting the Holy Priesthood, as he knows he's going to offer himself on the cross, that he is praying for you. He's praying for us. And what is he praying? He says, that they may all be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you that they may also be in us. Y'all, that is crazy. Jesus is praying that we would share in the communion of the Holy Trinity. 
He's saying that we might be one as the Father and the, Holy, the Son and the Holy Spirit are one. When we're talking about the reality of God who is one God and three persons, that the three persons are distinct but inseparable. Like wherever the Son is, so is the Father and the Spirit. Wherever the Father is, so is the Spirit and the Son. That they are distinct but inseparable. This is the communion. The church has this you know, $25 word, uh, theological word that she speaks about for that called perichoresis. It means this interpenetrating of the three persons of the Trinity. That they remain distinct, but there's this interpenetration that where one is, so the other two are. Again, it's a, this amazing mystery that is, is something to be revealed to us. And so Jesus is praying that we would share in this, this communion, this deep communion with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If that doesn't make you feel good, I'm pretty sure nothing will. Like if there's not a reality that you don't think like, oh my gosh, Christ himself wants me to be as united to him, the Father, and the, 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 and the Holy Spirit as they are to each other. Like that's God's longing and his heart and his thirst for us. That is, that is what he speaks. He spoke here at the Last Supper, and that is what he speaks on the cross with the gift of his life. That is not just words, but he lived it on the cross. That this is how much I desire this communion. This is how much I desire this union that I offer my life for you. And then Jesus says this. That this union, our union with him, what's going to happen? That the world may believe that you sent me. When we are united to the Holy Trinity, right, when the Lord, when we open up our lives in such a way that the Lord begins to dwell in us more deeply, then it is evangelistic in nature. That people come to believe that Jesus is the only Son of God because they see him somehow, some way, in and through our life. And this is seen most profoundly in the lives of the saints. I, I, you can think of countless numbers of stories, but one that always strikes my heart is pretty incredible. I've shared this before, but Mother Teresa, when she made one of her visits to the United States, she was in California. And she was in California, and there was a radio station that was interviewing her on the radio. And there was a drug runner for the cartel who, who would drive up and down the coast of California and run money and drugs and guns for one of the cartels out of Mexico. And so he's doing this, and the radio station, whatever radio station he's listening to, they stop playing music, and they start playing Mother Teresa's interview. And he gets aggravated, and he changes the station. And Mother Teresa's on that station, and he gets, he's getting angry, and he's cursing, and all the things, and he changes the station, and Mother Teresa's on that station. He's like, who the, is this woman, and why is she all over the radio? And then somehow, he just kind of starts to listen. Not long after he's listening to her, he pulls over on the side of the road, and he begins weeping. He begins weeping. And he doesn't even understand why he's weeping, but his heart is moved with love. And so after a while of just weeping on the side of the road, 
he calls the radio station. And he's like, hey, who was on the radio? Who was that woman? It's Mother Teresa. And he's like, who's Mother Teresa? He's like, you don't know who Mother Teresa is? He's like, I don't know who Mother Teresa is, but I need to know who she is. Who is she? Where is she? Oh, she's, she's here now. Okay, so where's, where's the address where she is? He's like, you think you're going to go talk to her? <laughs> He's like, yes, I'm going to go talk to her. Like, what's the address? Where is she? He's like, well, you know, she's at this convent with the Missionaries of Charity Sisters. So he shows up at the convent. He's banging on the door. He's like, I need to talk to Mother Teresa. And they're like, well, she's, she's kind of busy. He's like, okay, I'll wait. Like, I'm, I'm going to talk to her. No, no, like, he's like, no, you don't understand. I need to talk to her. All of this, right, in this man's life changed. He left what he was doing. He became a believer. Because of the, the, the power of the Holy Trinity coming through her voice on the radio. That when we're in communion with God, there's a natural evangelistic power that comes through our life. Jesus continues to pray. He says, Father, uh, that they, they may be one as you are in me and I in you, that they may be in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. He's, and then he continues to pray that they also may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be brought to perfection as one, that the world may know that you sent me. And that you love them even as you love me. So he prays not only for our, our experience of communion with the Trinity, but actual, actually all of our, all of us as the body of Christ, as his sons and daughters, to be united to each other and to share in that same communion. So it's not just about me and the Lord. It's not just about Mother Teresa and the Lord. But it's about all of us as brothers and sisters drawn into the inner life of the Trinity. And this, this begins at baptism, that when we're baptized, it's the Lord comes into our hearts and souls, we're brought into the communion of the church, which is the body of Christ, where the, where the Holy Trinity it comes in. And it is our part, right, our part to give ourselves over to the life of conversion that the Trinity would come more and more and more into my heart and my soul. And that I would be, that we would be more united with each other. Because Jesus desires this union, then it would make sense to the truth that the enemy of our salvation desires disunity. It's actually diabolos in Greek means to tear apart. So when we say the, the, the devil, right, is diabolo, in Spanish, it's from the diabolos, to tear apart, to rip asunder. It is the opposite of being united. It is the opposite of communion. And so the, the enemy of our salvation desires disunity. And if our communion with the Lord and our communion with each other is a sign of the gospel, unity is a sign of the anti-gospel. It points away from the reality that God exists. And so I don't have to tell you, right, that, and even before all of this, the, the, the reality within our country that has that is emerged again, that is in our, in our consciousness again, that there's lots of division. Lots of division. 
and my heart hurts. I've talked to so many people, the heart hurts and confused and what, I don't know what to do and all the things. So the Lord is desiring, he's praying for this union. He's praying for this union, and not a superficial union, not a fake union, but a deep and true union, which, which takes time, and which is messy. I think our conversion, our continued conversion, our sanctification takes time, and is messy, and our communion with each other takes time, and it is messy. But the Lord desires it, and the Lord wants it. And so as we're looking at this reality right now, again, that has been present, but that is brought to our consciousness again, and again, that we can name a number of things, but, but this particular thing, the reality of racism in our country, then what do we do? What do we do? Again, it's, we, we, because th- this, this reality is presenting itself in a particular way to us right now. Again, I've been asking the Lord the same thing. What do we do? I don't have all the answers. I definitely don't know them all. But I want to offer a few practical things for us today. One, we need to be reading and praying with the sacred scripture and the teachings of the church more than we're watching the news and on social media. We need to watch the news and we need to read the news. It is very important because we are incarnational people. We're not people who run away from the world but we live in the world. But we need to be praying with the sacred scriptures and we need to be praying with the teachings of the church more than we're listening to the news and watching the news. Because the truth is that the answer, the way, the truth, and the life is Jesus Christ. The way, the truth, and the life is Jesus Christ. It's not a political theory or a political party or those things. It is Jesus. And so, yes, again, we need to engage in our world and we need to engage in sociological realities and political realities because we are incarnational beings. But it is not the primary thing. And if our political views, our sociological views inform our faith, it's backwards. It is the truth Christ, the way, the truth, and the life, how we're created in God's image and likeness, and all the little messy things of how we understand that and that applies to us and applies to our lives that needs to inform our political views, our sociological views, all the things. It has to come first from the Lord. Some, some good voices that are out there, like contemporary voices, again, when I'm talking about the scriptures and the teaching of the church, all, for all the history, all the, the, the encyclicals and all the things, some good contemporary voices now, again, is one of our former priests who's now the Bishop of Homa Thibodeau, Bishop Shelton Fobb. I've mentioned this before. He's the, the president or the, the committee head for the ad hoc committee on the end of racism in the USCCB. He has some beautiful things that he is saying, some things that challenge us, but very beautiful, very important. One of our own priests, Father Josh Johnson, some beautiful things, some challenging things, with some beautiful things for us to be praying with, for us to be listening to. Secondly, we need to pray for the grace of humility and to not respond. Because it's like the fact is that most of, most of the folks in this church right now, right, 
are, are not minorities. Most of us are not. Um, and so we need to pray for the grace of humility because this is like, is a hard, messy topic. And there are tons of extremism right now in our, in our country and in the world. And we want to avoid extremism. And it's a messy, hard topic. And there's so many things that are there. Um, and emotions can get high. And so we want to not try to react or respond out of fear or defensiveness. Fear is not of God. Fear is not of God. And so when we come before, and we're all going to experience it, and we're all going to experience it, like all these different things, or whatever, whatever, whoever we are, um, minorities are not, are all this. We're going to experience fear. We're going to experience defense, to, to want to be defensive. And we need to, to, to go slow down and go like, okay, let me process this. Let me go before the Lord with this because I don't want to respond out of fear or being defensive. I want to be able to, to kind of sit and listen. Even if I don't completely agree with the other person, I need to have a disposition first of listening to try to understand. Even if I don't completely agree. Maybe I'm going to see something in a new way. Maybe I'm going to see something in a new light. I know over the last five years as I've had these conversations about race with people that I know and people that I don't know. I mean, there, there have been ways I'm like, wow, like, I, that, that is not my experience. And I did not realize that. I did not understand that. And then have been able to, as well, to kind of to, to speak back of, of, of different things in my own life. And, and so to be able to, like, be able to listen to understand, even if you don't completely agree with moments, that, that's, that's the disposition that, that we need to be taking right now. Because the defensiveness and the fear just incites, it incites the going back and forth and the, the, the banging against each other. And I really need to be able to listen to understand because the truth is, is that like racism is real and is present. And it's a sin. And so that's the next thing. To recognize that. To recognize racism is a sin. To examine our own life. Like, is there any way, in a small way, in a large way, that I've participated in that or condoned it in some way? And to go before the Lord and ask for forgiveness. Go before the Lord and ask for mercy. And the Lord brings mercy and grace into our hearts. Um, Saint, uh, not Saint, <laughs> Archbishop Chaput, who's an incredible, amazing man. You know, he, he called racism like one of the original sin of our country. If you think back the history of our country and slavery. Uh, and just for us to acknowledge, like, that's hard. It's a hard thing to acknowledge. But to acknowledge it and to acknowledge where places where it still may be in my own heart where it still may be in certain aspects of our community or country, and, and to come before the Lord and ask for forgiveness and mercy, and where can I move forward with positive steps there? Prayer, fasting, acts of reparation. And again, the second thing, we're kind of seeking this understanding, and this part I think is, is really, really, really important. I think that, again, you're in church, right? So, so most of us, are really good at being nice and cordial to people that are different from us, be it a different faith, be it a different uh, ethnicity, be it a different race, be it a different 
whatever, socioeconomical status, we are typically good at being nice and cordial. But I think, and I'm painting with a broad brush, so this is not all of us, but I think generally we're not as good at depth of relationship. Okay, if we happen to be at the same place and we bump into each other at a tailgate or maybe we work together or the different things, then we're nice and we're cordial and it's good. But when is the last time that, that you or I have invited someone over uh, of a different ethnicity, a different race, of uh, different faith over for dinner? Come on over to my house. Just you and your, your wife, you and your your boyfriend, you and your brother, sister, just come over for dinner. Let's hang out. Let's chat. Things like that. Of moving beyond just genuine, basic respect into deeper relationship, into listening to someone's story, to listening to someone's heart. And where a bridge of deeper trust can happen. So these messy, difficult relationships, these messy, difficult conversations that we need to have from both directions, right? From both directions, that they can happen because there is a deeper relationship. There is a deeper trust that is there. And so, so we need to move past. And we, and we can't all do that with everyone. But we can all do that with some. And if we're all trying to intentionally, intentionally move into deeper relationship with some people who are different from us, then it will build bridges of trust and communion. And then what's going to happen is that people are going to see that. And it will have an evangelistic effect in the world. It will have an effect of a movement of trust and honor and dignity. And then there will be less of the yelling at each other and the more of having deeper, difficult conversations and love and honor and respect and be able to see from different perspective that is present. Tangible, practical love. And again, of course, none of this can be done without deep prayer. None of this can be done without coming to the Lord. Like when you receive the Eucharist today, pray, like to have the intentionality, Lord, I believe that is you, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And for those who are watching online, Lord, I believe that is you, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And Lord, as I receive you, be it spiritually or sacramentally in the most holy Eucharist, Lord, I ask you to give me your heart. Because I cannot love myself nor anyone else rightly if I do not have your heart. I cannot see anyone else or myself rightly if I do not have your heart. And if you give me, Lord, your heart, and this is a gradual process, right, of conversion. And if you give me your heart, then I can see rightly, Lord, and I can love rightly. And then what you're speaking about, this, this communion of the Trinity that you're praying with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I will be drawn more deeply into that, and then people will see it. And then we will be drawn as brothers and sisters, as the body of Christ, more deeply into this communion, and the world will see it. And things will move closer to as God desires. Yes, it can seem scary, and yes, it can seem difficult, 
Fear is not of the Lord. He invites us to walk on water with the power of his grace. And he is praying for it right now at the right hand of the Father. And he is not only there, but he is also here within us, longing and praying for this communion. So in the solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity, let us pray for it. Come, Jesus. Draw me into your heart. Draw us into your heart. Draw us into communion with each other. And let us be bridges, Lord, of healing, of the racial divide, healing of all division. And let us ask Our Lady who stomps on the head of the enemy, who stomps on the head of the one who tears asunder to place her foot on his head in any aspect of our life where it needs to be that the Lord's grace and power may reign. And so we end again with Jesus' prayer to the Father. I pray not only for the apostles, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, so that they may all be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, I in them and you in me, that they may be brought to perfection as one, that the world may know that you sent me and that you love them even as you loved me.